Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. <clears throat> this is supposed to be a kind of a follow-up for the three messages I had on giving thanks or being thankful. I'm going to read the entire psalm. Psalm 139. Says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I send up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God! Depart from me, depart from me therefore, ye bloody men." For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I greed with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. I've titled this simply, God Thinks of Me. God thinks of me. You know, the psalmist here is writing, and, you know, he uses me, my, I over and over again. Now, he's not consumed with himself. He's talking about what God thinks, what God's thoughts are toward him. And, you know, as I'm reading, I was reading there the first five verses. He says, you've searched me, you've known me. You know my down-sitting, you know my uprising, you understand it's my thought afar off. You know, what's a thought afar off? Well, it's a thought you just, it's just passed through your mind maybe just once. You haven't even given it any serious consideration. Uh, not a word in my tongue, lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Let me, you know, and the thought came to me. Does anybody else give that much consideration to you? Even your spouse. Think about it. 
And that's why he says in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot attain unto it. I can't understand it. I can't comprehend it. But this is what God thinks towards you and I. And so tonight I want to look at, think about some of these things. And, and, and really, verse 17, I think, is, the, is a focal point. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So God thinks of me. So consider, first of all, his thoughts of us are loving thoughts. Again, verses 1 through 6. Thou hast searched me, known me, knowest my downsitting, my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path. So you've kind of surrounded my path. And my lying down aren't acquainted with all my ways. And that can comfort you and it might cause you some concern. But, you know, he, he knows all of our ways. Not a word in my tongue, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. So, this is talking about somebody who very cares very deeply about us. To give the, you know, from our perspective, to give this time and consideration into that much attention to one person. To a person. Even somebody you love. Now, you know, this is, this is, this is, again, as he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. And yet, these are God's thoughts to us. Thoughts of love and consideration. Uh, In Jeremiah 31, 3, the Bible says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therewith, for with loving kindness have I drawn thee. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, God, God never stops loving us. He never stops giving consideration to, toward us. He never stops thinking about us. Do you, do you ever think about the fact that God, that Jesus Christ was a lamb fl- slain from the foundation of the world? In other words, b- before he made the world, he was already given thoughts and consideration to man's redemption, to your redemption. This is the God we serve. No wonder the Bible says over and over that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. These are his thoughts to us. They are constant thoughts. You know, they're not only loving thoughts and giving you know, deep consideration to, but they're, they're constantly, they're constant thoughts. Verses 7 through 12. Whither shall I go? From thy presence from thy spirit whither shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend up into heaven thou art there if I make my bed in hell behold thou art there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea you ever feel like you know running off somewhere and you know all isolated by yourself and forget about everybody and you know you ever have one of those you know uh, Elijah moments we just want to get away from everyone and forget about the whole world and David said, I could do that, but you'd be there. You'd be there. 
Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. You know, David, (coughs) think about that a little bit. Brings to mind the time that David, you know, when he was fleeing from Saul, and I think it was after, you know, he, him and Abathur went to the camp of Saul where Saul was sleeping at night, and Abner beside him, and Saul's spear, and his bolster, and, 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 um, Abathur, I think it was Abathur, went down and took the spear and the bolster, and they, they got them away, and, and then they get up on the hill, and David cries aloud and, and, you know, and, uh, to, to Saul and so on. And then it's after that, and Saul goes back home, and it's after that David says, you know, one of these days Saul's going to get me, I may as well flee to, the king, to Achish, king of Gath. So he took the wings of the morning. He just thought he'd he'd flee and get out of get get away from everybody and get into a place of protection where he'd be safe. And you know what? Even there, God didn't forsake him. I mean, it it was it brought some hardship into his life, but God did deliver him from that lack of trust. That was a lack of trust on David's part. But even there. Shall thy right hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. So he protected him there. Again, God's thoughts are constant. Um, Verse 11, If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the light shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, Hebrews 13.5 says he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Never leave us. Psalm 40 and verse 5 says, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. I would declare and speak of them. They are more than can be numbered. His thoughts are constant. He never forgets. You know, we, we forget many times in life. Yeah, you know, we tell somebody that we were going to do something and somehow we forget somehow. You know, other things occupy our minds and we just forget about it. We just forget it. Uh, the third thing I want to see here, these thoughts are personal. Verse 13, and very personal. I mean, we have this, what we call, you know, if somebody gets up real close to you, they can make you feel uncomfortable. Do you ever have somebody, you know, and they're talking to you, and they're, they're right up next to your face, and real close and personable, and I often say, well, you know, they, they, they kind of violate your personal zone. Well, you might say that God violates your personal zone because he knows your he knows your parts before they were made. Look at verse 13. Thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. 
So he's talking about before that embryo was formed and developed enough to discern what it was. That's very, very... We're talking about from the time of conception? No. Actually, we're talking about before that, because notice, let's read the rest of it. Then I did see my substance yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which continues were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Remember, we're talking about God who, has, who is all-knowing, who has foreknowledge. So he knew about you before you were born. He knew about you. You know, his thoughts are personable. Personal thoughts. Uh, In Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. He says something similar to this to Jeremiah the prophet. When he says, then, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly... I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So I knew you before you were formed. God knows everything from beginning to end. And his thoughts to us are personal thoughts. You know, he said to Peter, I have prayed for thee. Thee is singular. He wasn't talking to all the disciples, though all the disciples were there. He was pinpointing Peter, Peter and said, I have prayed for thee, Peter, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. I prayed for thee, Peter. You know, if he was here, he'd say, I've prayed for thee, Robert. I've prayed for thee, Chris. I've prayed for thee, Dave. And he would say that about every one of you. I've prayed for thee. He said to Nicodemus, John 3, 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then in verse 5, he changed it to ye, meaning, Not only you, Nicodemus, but all you Pharisees. But then in verse 7, he goes back to, I say unto thee, and ye must be born again. So I'm saying it to you, Nicodemus, but I'm also saying it to the rest of the Pharisees. You must be born again. You see, God's a personal God. His thoughts to us are personable. Personal. Excuse me. Uh, you know, God knows you better than anyone else. God knows your abilities, your talents, your weak points, your strong ones. He knows what's best for your life. And his thoughts to us are personal. Are personal. He knows the numbers of the hairs of your head. Some of us ain't as hard as others, but, you know, he knows. It's not a sparrow falls to the ground that he doesn't see. 
yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, and he, he knows he cares more about us than many sparrows. So, so his thoughts are personal. Um, his thoughts also are wise, or you might say he knows what's best for us. Verse 17 and 18. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Now, uh, they're precious, they're good, they're great. The great is the sum of them. There, of course, they are many, and they cannot be numbered. Uh, you know, God knows all about us, and He knows what's best. For us. You know, God knew what he was doing when he, the Lord knew what he was doing when he said, when he appointed Peter to be the first pastor after the Lord Jesus. He also knew, by the way, he also knew how Peter's life was going to end. And he also knew how John's life was going to end. John would die a natural death and Peter would be martyred. You know, not all the disciples had the same personalities. They had different abilities. And, and, and they all had, you know, their relationship with the Lord was not all the same. They weren't, you know, they weren't hot dogs. You know, they weren't all the same. But they all served God in the way that God planned for their life. And so God's thoughts to us are precious, they are good, they are of value, and we need to consider what God thinks about our life and what we're doing with our life and our plans for our life. You know, you may be thinking that you're thinking right, but it is in an agreement with the Lord's thinking for your life. Isaiah 55, 6 through 9 says this, Seek the Lord, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he was near. <coughs> Excuse me. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we need to give consideration to what God thinks about our thinking process, what we're doing with our life. Because He is the all wise Creator. And we're not, we're all created equal, but we don't all have equal abilities and talents. You know, even the Lord recognized that. You remember the parable of the talents? And there was three men, three servants, and the first one he gave five talents. The second one he gave two. Now why did he give one five and one two? And the third one he only gave one. 
Well, the one who gave five gained five more. The one who gained two gained two more. You know what the point of that is? He knew, it's just like in our world today. You, you give, okay, you, you know, we have, what, about 25 people in here. And if, you gave everyone, if I gave every one of you $1,000 today, forget it, I'm not, but if I did, and told you to make as much money, to, to make as much on that as possible within six months. Some of you would make money, but none of you would be probably all at the same rate. Some of you would only end up with what I gave you. And that's what we see in this story. There was the one who got five, gained five more. The one who got two, he, he gained two more. The one who got, got one, he buried it. He hung on to it. He did nothing with it. And God called him a slothful servant. See, God knows what our talents and abilities are, and He knows the directions and the things that we ought to seek in life, and we need to seek His will and His guidance for that. Whatever that might be. Whatever the vocation that may be. (coughs) Excuse me. Of course, it needs to be in agreement with the Word of God. Then notice, and it's going to be shorter tonight. I can't. Anyway, and then lastly, um, his thoughts are helpful, and he leads in the right way. Notice in verse 19, or 19 through 24. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So God will lead us. He will lead us. He will protect us. But he will also lead us in the right way. Uh, you know, he will slay the wicked by his power. He gives power to the faint. Uh, he leads us in the way everlasting. And so we need to allow God to lead us. These are his thoughts he has. He, he desires to lead us. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Again, this is where he leads us. Through trying times, he leads us, but he is with us. God doesn't lead us into trials and say, oh, have, have a nice time. I'll see you on the other end. No. He goes with us. 
He's with us in the trial. When Jesus sent the disciples into the ship to go to the other side, and a storm came, do you think he knew where they were? Well, of course he did. He came unto them walking on the sea. He knew where they were. They were where he sent them. So, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The word of God comforts us and encourages us. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, he, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads beside still waters. He leads in the paths of righteousness. And when we walk through the valley... He goes with us. Now, all these things God allows and brings into our lives for our good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. The good and the bad. The still waters, the green pastures, and the valleys, the shadow of death. It's just a shadow. But don't forget, God's there with you. Because his thoughts, his thoughts are with you when you're sitting down, when you're standing up, when you're thinking you're far off, when every word's in your mouth. If you try to run off into the, 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 get into the middle of the wilderness and away from everybody, he's still with you. He will never leave thee. And he slays the wicked. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Talking about our defense. Through that valley of shadow, he will protect us. I mean, I had a very quick flash. I didn't have much time to think about it. When that car, I couldn't, I was just like, I could not believe it. Just pulled right out in front of me. Probably wasn't from here to the back door away. Had enough time to brace myself. That's about it. Hardly even hit the brakes. But you know, you have flashes. What's going to happen here? It's that quick. But you know, God is with us and He's for us and His power is to us. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Let's back up because this kind of this subject is a little bit similar here, very close to it. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So we really need to get to know what God thinks or what his thoughts are toward us and what he does for us how he protects us how he provides for us uh, the power he, he will give to us that's available to us these are the things we need to understand verse 18 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling 
what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So, so what we have in Christ, we are children of the living God. And he will never leave us nor forsake us. We're in the hand of God and nothing can touch us unless God allows it. Because there's no power greater than God. Verse 19. And then it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead setting him in his own right hand in heavenly places. So, that word power there speaks of strength or ability. God can give you strength or abilities you don't think you have. If you'd have told me when I was 17 years old that I'd be a pastor and preach to people, I'd have told you, you're off your rocker. That's not ability that I have. Or strength that I can do. I'm not getting up in front of people and talking. But you know when God calls you to do something. He also provides the strength. The ability. This word power here is the same word as in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Where it says. And you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, that power is available to every Christian. Because every Christian is supposed to be a witness. So we have available to us, we have no excuses, we have available to us the power to witness to people. By the way, we also have available to us the authority to witness to people. Somebody might ask you, well, what right do you have to talk to me about the things of God? Well, God commanded me. That's what right I have. And he has authorized you and I to take the gospel into all the world. All power is given unto me. And that's the idea of authority. And then he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. We are ambassadors. So an ambassador is one that's been authorized by one state to go to another state and represent that state. So we've been authorized by God to be Witnesses for him here in this world. <coughs> That's power. Uh, in chapter 6, verse 10, there's another word power there used and it speaks of dominion. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. So that power is available to us that we can, that we can stand strong against the wiles of the devil. So we don't have to be overcome by the temptation. Again, these are all things that God has for us. But we need to know them. And we need to avail ourselves of them. In other words, it's like picking up the tool and using it. A tool is no good if you don't use it. Don't use it. So, you know, in Acts chapter 4 and verses 7 through 10... You know, the Sanhedrin asked Peter and John, and what, by what power or in what name have you done this? 
And they simply said, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the power. And that's the name. That's the authority that we have. That is the authority we have. And see, that power is to usward. God's thoughts is to usward. You know, he's going to protect us and he will lead us in the way of righteousness. So we need to consider God's, what God thinks of me. We need to examine ourselves, our own heart, and ask also, you know, we need to know what God thinks toward us, but we also need to th- search our heart and know our heart and, and examine our heart if it's right with the Lord. Verse 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. Am I thinking right? You know, God is always thinking right toward us. Are we thinking right toward him? And that has a double application. You know, we can have the right thoughts of what he thinks about us, but we also need to have right thoughts in our own heart and mind. Thoughts of purity and righteousness and not wickedness. So, God thinks. Now, we shouldn't think more highly in ourselves than we ought. But you know, when I think about what God thinks about me, it really helps me not to be too concerned then about what the world thinks about me. If I know what God thinks about me, I'm not that concerned. So I hope that you're encouraged with what God thinks concerning you.